Good morning, everyone. My name is Nayaswami Ananta. This is Nayaswami Maria. And we welcome our uh, group in the Temple of Light in Ananda Village in California and our extended Sangha throughout the world. Uh, I guess we're beginning World Brotherhood Day with Sunday service. And later this afternoon, uh, Jyotish and Devi will lead a uh, ceremony and a celebration. But indeed, it's a wonderful day to celebrate the spirit of uh, the great saints and masters of all religions and our one Father, Mother God. I'm going to read from Rays of the One Light, uh, Living in the Presence of God. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. In the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 25, we read of a king, capitalized for the references to God, who welcomes certain devotees to the divine consciousness, saying, I was hungered, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. The elect asked him when it was they had served him in these ways, and the king answered, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. To see God as residing in every human being, as indeed he does, is to open oneself to limitless opportunities for serving him. Paramahansa Yogananda, in Autobiography of a Yogi, described a saint who lived in this consciousness as the greatest man of humility I ever knew. He described a seemingly chance encounter with this saint. This is from the autobiography. Another day found me walking alone near the Halra Railroad Station. I stood for a moment by a temple, silently criticizing a small group of men with drum and cymbals who were violently chant, reciting a chant. How undevotionally they used the Lord's divine name in mechanical repetition, I reflected. My gaze was astonished by the rapid approach of Master Moashai. Sir, how come you here? The saint, ignoring my question, answered my thought. Isn't it true, little sir, that the beloved's name sounds sweet from all lips, ignorant and wise? He passed his arm around me affectionately. I found myself carried on his magic carpet to the merciful presence. If you would see God, watch for him everywhere. If you would hear his voice, listen for it in all sounds and also in their supporting silences. If you would know God, seek his wisdom behind merely human knowledge. The Bhagavad Gita in the sixth chapter states, one who beholds my presence everywhere and all things dwelling equally in me, he never loses sight of me nor I of him through all eternity. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. 
Hello, everyone. Good morning. A part of the service today is on humility, and I'd like to just take a moment to uh, direct this to the singers this morning. I am very humbled <laughs> by uh, just the music and the choice of song and the vibration. Uh, if there's any of you who think that you've heard Sunday service because you've heard someone give a talk up here, you're really missing out because this music is such a powerful conveyance of truth and inspiration. And uh, I really feel like you said everything. So just thank you so much. Uh, <clears throat> I'd like to read from uh, Yogananda's Whispers from Eternity. And this is called The Cosmic Salutation. O Spirit, I bow to thee in front of me, behind me, on the left, and on the right. I bow to thee above and beneath. I bow to thee all around me. I bow to thee within and without. I bow to thee everywhere, for thou art everywhere. So in the reading this morning, Ananta read this delightful story that Yogananda shared about his meeting with a dear friend, by the way, um, Master Mahashaya, direct disciple of Sri Ramakrishna. And it's interesting because I was considering how many stories there are of saints, in this case, an avatar, Yogananda, came in as such. And in their lives, even in that state of enlightenment, there they are on the stage of life, acting out this drama by which we can benefit just countless stories, on and on. And in this one, Yogananda makes this direct link between humility and living in God's presence. And he's holding this thought, the thought of separation, the thought of seeing people other than as instruments of the divine, seeing the world as other than God's creation, and it creates a separation which doesn't allow us to live in the presence of God. And that if we come to life with a heart that is humble, that door opens, and our experience is one of that divine consciousness. And another uh, story of this same kind, and indeed there are just so many, uh, Yogananda tells of Babaji uh, at the Kumbh Mela. And Lahiri 
is there. He has some vacation time. He decides to wander about amongst the saints and in this holy and traditionally holy environment. And he's going along, and he sees many monks, many sadhus, and he thinks to himself, but these, surely these aren't the real renunciates. And then he sees this man kneeling down in front of an ascetic, and he realizes it's Babaji. He says, what are you doing here? <laughs> and what are you doing you know, washing this man's feet? Because clearly he's not a renunciate, you know, is the thought. And Babaji says, I am washing his feet, and when I finish, I will clean his utensils. And he, he turns and looks. Yogananda describes it lovingly and with a, a beautiful childlike smile as he says this to Lahiri. And Lahiri realizes, of course, of course, God is in everything. God is in everyone. And like Yogananda described in this story, he's just swept up in that consciousness of the master of Babaji, or of the saint, Master Mahashai. So this direct link between humility and living in God's presence. And it's such a powerful point that it is given to us again and again, you know, throughout eternity as teaching, as important teaching. There are so many beautiful and instructional aspects in, in the story that Yogananda describes with Master Mahashai. And I want to just touch on a few of those. We cannot fake humility. You know, humility is something we need to genuinely feel and experience. And it's something that we need to cultivate. And we can cultivate. Yogananda describes in his autobiography of a yogi, he says, every time I kneeled at the feet of my guru, Sri Yukteswar, I was thrilled with the vibration and the power of his being. And then he goes on to explain that when we open ourselves that way, and this is a yogic teaching, that the very cells in our brain, the very patterns of habit and thinking and perspective are changed and brought more fully into the light. And he says, even if it's for a moment, we experience the bliss of that, of that, of making that offering to higher consciousness, to the guru, to the higher consciousness within us, to God in everything. It thrills the soul. It thrills the very elements of our being. And this is a, an act of humility, an act of reverence, but it needs to be something that is genuine. You know, it's not as simple as bowing before the picture. You know, bowing before the guru, it's something that we have to cultivate in our hearts. A reference to omnipresence, a reference to infinite consciousness, a reference to a reality that is bigger than us, bigger than the little ego, and that 
we genuinely feel to honor and to worship. Yogananda wrote a letter to uh, the wife of Dr. Lewis, one of his direct disciples, and he spent a lot of time with them in their early days uh, while he, when he came to this country, when Yogananda came. And he was always in <clears throat> conversation or, or writing them, you know, <clears throat> this kind of thing. And he said, <clears throat> he was talking about you know, his day, his life in that moment. He was busy teaching and lecturing across the country. And he said, the teachings of yoga teach us how the soul contacts, can contact God. But I am discovering in my spiritual practice how important reverence is to salvation. And he says, said, the more that I practice this, the more that I come to meditation with a reverential attitude and, uh, and state of being, I experience that divine reality. And my life has become sweeter. It's become more carefree. And whatever vestiges of the ego are left are fully dissolved. And then he went on to say, and how is your meditation? <laughs> but I love that letter because he, you know, he's talking to us and with us about spiritual practice and the right attitude that brings us the experience of living in God's presence and shows us how to do that, not just in meditation, but in all of life. But when we do meditate, Yogananda says it's very helpful to, when you sit still to meditate, stay in that stillness until you are no longer identifying with the body. I think that's something that we can all do. I really do. Maybe just for a few minutes. You know, maybe then the body, the mind gets restless. But in that beginning, when we make that effort to just be still and keep the body still and bring the concentration to the spiritual eye, the body ceases to bother us for the time being and maybe for a long time. But it's good to practice that when we first sit to meditate, be still and feel your consciousness in reference to a greater reality. Acknowledge that reality. Above, below, left, right. Your life is in reference to a reality without limitation, to a reality without boundaries. And be in that. Feel yourself at the feet of omnipresence. And if you don't, Pray to Master. Pray to the Guru. I know I can go deeper. Help me to go deeper. And then, as it said in the story, just that, you know, the desire is there. It's genuine. You know, you, you all, we all have humility. We all genuinely love the spiritual path, the spiritual life, or we wouldn't be here. And once in a while, we veer to the left, we veer to the right, we 
get restless, we forget God, but not really, because the soul can't separate from that reality. The soul is the, that reality, as Master said in his poem, Samadhi. I live without the cosmic shadow, but it is not bereft of me, as the sea exists without the waves, but they breathe not without the sea. We could not be here. We could not even try to attempt to meditate if we weren't a part of that divine reality. And the trick, the opportunity, is to try to be conscious of that all the time. But when we're not, when we're not, because we are so close, you know, there it was. Master Mahashai simply said, isn't it sweet? You know, he didn't say, gosh, Yogananda, you really blew it, you know? <laughs> no one really has to say that to us. We haven't really blown it. We just, once in a while, some ridiculous thought enters our consciousness. It's embarrassing. You know, hopefully no one hears it. But then the saints, the masters, they come to our rescue and they put their arm affectionately around us and just whip us off on that magic carpet. And it's just that, that little thought, that little reminder. You know, as we were walking to service, the wind was moving through the tops of the pine trees, you know, and just, you could just, ohm was everywhere. You could just hear it. And it was beyond the trees and beyond the sky and beyond this planet. And it's so close to us. And the masters will help us. The guru will help us. That higher consciousness within us will come to the rescue, and it does. And we all know that. It's a delightful story um, in Swami Kriyananda's life, because when we, when we open in this way, doors open, and everything, everything reveals this greater reality of which we are a part. And someone was sharing with Swamiji that they were having a lot of difficulty, a lot of challenge in the workplace with a particular person. And it seemed like, you know, every day, day after day, year after year, there was just always the potential and the likelihood of conflict, just two very different perspectives. And this person asked Swamiji, can you, can you help? I mean, what can I do? I want to get along. I want this to go smoothly. And Swamiji answered this person and said, well, in fact, I know what you're talking about, and, and I understand the situation. It's, it's very real. And uh, I see that myself, because he also worked with this person. And he said, but for me, it flows easily. <laughs> It just flows easily, not a problem. He said, I just don't bother to think of myself as a personality. And so this person took that to heart and tried and to integrate that, and in fact succeeded to a certain extent. It helped in that relationship. It helped in many relationships. And sometime later, years later, this person mentioned it again to Swamiji, and and thanked him, you know, thank you so much for that advice. It really, really helped me, not only in that particular relationship, but in many. 
And she restated what he said. You know, I just don't bother to think of myself as a personality. And she said that he looked a little puzzled <laughs> by those words. And, you know, just passed it through his consciousness. And he said, well, it's not that I don't bother. He said, I just don't have a personality. So it wasn't just a mere affirmation for him. It was his consciousness, just getting the self out of the way. You know, it's not about me. It's not about my personality. And to a very real extent, our ability to be humble, our ability to be open to a greater reality is dependent upon stepping outside of that little ego and referencing, reminding ourselves. Isn't that what the spiritual path is? Memory, the divine memory of our relationship to the universe itself, our relationship to the guru, that we are merely here for a little while as a seemingly independent wave on the cosmic sea, but at any moment we can be carried on that magic carpet and merge back into that infinite reality. It's another story I wanted to share with you, uh, again, a story of a devotee who went uh, out to a dinner with a devotee friend and the family of that devotee friend. They weren't disciples. And Swami Kriyananda was also there. So they were gathered together and the conversation was around art and politics and just things of the, of the world, more with a worldly tone. And this devotee was sitting there and had the thought. The thought came in, basically, I wish the circumstance was different, right? That's the thought that always starts to separate us. And the thought was, I'm here with Swamiji. Why can't we be talking about the things dear to our heart instead of all of this other stuff? And just in that moment, Swamiji just gently turned and in a very soft whisper began to hum the chant, Lord, I am thine, very softly. But he could, my devotee friend could hear it. Lord, I am thine, I am thine, I am thine be thou mine, and then turned back to, you know, everybody else and the conversation. But that was the magic carpet. You know, that was what lifted him out of that small-mindedness that we find ourselves stumbling into and lifted him on that magic carpet into the light. And so <clears throat> if we can try to reference this greater reality, but even more than that, try to feel yourself in that reality, that we are in this world, this material plane to be sure, but that we are walking, living, breathing, acting, serving in Om, in that reality. It is our reality. It's what we're made of. It's who we are. And Whenever a thought tries to convince us otherwise, just start chanting Om. Pick up your favorite chant. Look at the guru and let yourself be lit, brought into that reality. 
living in that presence, which is your true home, which is our true home. streets I went. I've seen a star rise in the east, and I'm looking for a friend. A wondrous vision sent us here We're looking for a friend around this bed, but whether near or far, I too have been looking for a friend to 